guys, Jack here. Uh, Merry Christmas from everyone here at Just Hands, which is just me, and Software Y. Uh, thank you guys for your years of listenership, uh, at least for some of you, and hope to get you guys another great year of content in 2019. Um, as always, please check out our partners, Software Y. Um, they are doing some really amazing content, uh, a lot of it I am responsible for, and that's going to continue into the new year as well. And a reminder, if you guys want to come on the show and share a hand, please do so. We have another one of those episodes today. I think another one coming next week. Uh, we'll get back to some regular guests uh, following that. But I'd love to get some more of you guys on the show. It's been a lot of fun recording with you all. Um, and so I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And please send me an email at jack at justhandspoker.com if you want to come on the show. Hello, and welcome back to Just Hands. I'm joined here by another listener, Brad Bounds. Brad, how you doing? Good. So Brad, you sent me a hand that you played against our audio editor, Young Man Coffee. And so obviously we had to feature it on the podcast, uh, that and the fact that it's an interesting hand. So this took place at 2-5 MGM National Harbor. Uh, do you want to guide us into it? Yeah, sure. So Young Man Coffee, that's funny. I hadn't certainly not heard that. It sort of makes sense. That's a that's a decent description of our first villain, I guess. So he is in the hijack this hand and he makes it he makes it twenty. Uh we get two calls before I am I act, one on the button and one in the small blind of the button I knew nothing about. I just seen him uh, older guy, maybe around fifty. I I had never really recognized him before. The guy in the small blind, another older man, he looked like he'd been visiting. I'd seen him there a couple days in a row, but never before that, and I had not seen him since. Just a guy that likes to see a lot of flops, doesn't really take a lot of uh, aggression, aggressive actions. And uh, so he's in the small blind, and he also calls. I have 5-6 suited in the big blind, and I choose to flat here, although... I think three betting is a, a decent option against if, if Chris was opening earlier, uh, I probably just, just flat, but, uh, I think three bets, uh, something worth talking about in the spot. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's, it's worth talking about. How wide do you expect the button to be calling? Pretty, pretty wide. I would think pretty wide. Yeah. I think the wider you expect the button to call, the more incentive you have to start three betting. 6-5 yeah. suited, obviously, is going to, I think, play profitably through a call. But the more we can sort of clean up our equity, the better. And so if our button is calling wide, that means he's going to have a lot of dominating sixes, dominating fives, dominating spades that would probably fold to a three bet. You know, things like 10-7 of spades, 9-6 of diamonds, these sorts of hands that are, you know, sort of loose, perhaps justifiable justifiable button calls, we can get a lot of those to go away through a three bet and potentially win the pot now, potentially isolate Chris in a spot where, you know, when we flop sort of equity with our hand, we can barrel it, we can press that equity with a little bit more abandon. But I think calling is clearly fine. I, okay. I think people Preferred, tend... you say? You think preferred? No, not necessarily. I think, I think okay. three betting is probably okay. better. All right. But I think if you had a hand like... Like other hands that I think are better three bets, you know, other seats at the table, like wheel suited aces, I think those get over three bet from the big blind. 
I think actually using hands that are sort of borderline folds um, and other seats at the table, like 6-5, like 5-4, these become better sort of bottom-end three bets in the big blind. And I think especially when we have loose players um, who have overcalled and can dominate these hands, I think that's especially when using them as a sort of bottom-end of a three-bet range works well. I much prefer uh, three-betting those kind of hands than suited aces. I think that's better as a four-bet, personally. Okay. Okay, so we call. So take us to the flop. So the flop is 10-4-2, two diamonds, one spade. I have the five, six of spades. And Chris bets 55. Everyone calls. So, you know, the button calls, the small blind calls. And my line of thinking here was on this flop was check raise. But then everyone called. So then my I was, well, I'm getting a great price, even though it's four ways. And I, I decided just to call. I'm looking back. I think fold is better than call. But I just was not thinking about it at that time with that flop, with the gut shot and the backdoor draw. So I went from check raise to just, well, I mean, I don't know if I can get everyone out of this pot, even though I can make it pretty big. Uh, so I decided on a call right here, mm-hmm. which so, might be, feels a little loose, maybe. Okay, so you said you were thinking check raise, and then you got two callers. Yeah. So what about having two callers makes you want to check raise less? I was, I was, I was getting more odds to call. Yeah, I think, but, um. Yeah. But looking back, if you're getting odds to call with five, six suited, you're also getting odds to call with all over cards and, you know, because the equity is even better there. So I, I think that is probably not the greatest thinking. So I like a call. I think a call is, to me, it's pretty clearly the best option. There's, sort of too many hands that like we can never get to fold in this spot for me to want to raise. Like when Chris has an overpair or a strong 10, that's a very difficult hand to get to fold at any point. When one of our opponents has a hand like the nut flush draw or 10x of diamonds, those are hands that are extremely hard to ever get to fold. And we rep pretty narrow um, when we raise here. Like it's possible we have 10-4 suited, although I think that 10-4 and 10 dudes are somewhat likely folds. Like I would like raising more in a spot where you could rep some two pair combos. I also think even though there's a diamond draw with this formation, I think that you're a little bit more likely to slow play sets. Not a hundred percent. Of course, I think having a raising range here is fine, but I think that your hand is strong enough to raise. Sorry. I think your hand is strong enough to call. And I don't think that you block any of the types of hands you'd want to block for raising. And there's going to be a lot of turns, both in terms of cards that give you additional equity. Like the cards, the nice thing is that the cards that give you equity in a lot of cases are cards that you can then decide to check raise or check shove. Right now you're just not repping that many hands. But when the turn comes like a five or a six, I guess like especially a six, now we can maybe, we can represent more hands like six, four, sixes, five, three. When the turn comes, something like the four of spades, you know, now we have an we have an advantage in terms of the number of fours in our range, and so that's a card that we could potentially lead. Hmm. So I think we'll I think we'll have options. 
and having three outs to the Stone Cold Nuts is pretty nice. Now, obviously, the fact that one of your straight outs is a diamond isn't great, but I think the fact that you have backdoor spades gives you enough equity to call. I think if you had six, five hearts here, then just folding would be fine. Yeah. So I like the. Yeah, I think that's a clear, that's a clear, that's a clear fold to me. I don't have 10 4, 10 2 there. He knows that, I would say. So there isn't a lot to rep, but I feel like if I had fours or twos, I'd be, I'd be raising with the flush out there. Yeah, that's fine. And I think it's just a yeah. spot where you get paid with fours and twos a lot. In spots where we're, we get paid, we, we should probably buff a little bit less. Okay. Yeah, that makes, that makes sense. Having that plan with the four, it's certainly wasn't in my line of thinking either. So it's something to, to think about. Yeah, it's definitely worth okay. considering. All right, we'll go to the turn. Yeah, let's do it. So the turn is a offsuit as an offsuit of any. It was like the heart, I think. It was the seven of hearts. Chris bets again, 180. This time the button folds and the small blind calls again. And I don't think we ever talked about effective stacks, actually. No. So we, we're... Effective is a thousand here. So, which is max buy in there. So everybody has that. I, I'm not sure what the button has, but he folds the turn anyway. But me, Chris and, and, and the small blind all have about a thousand and he calls again. And this time I, I really didn't even consider making a move here being I had so much equity just to call. I just, I just flatted here. Mm-hmm. So we still have three outs to the absolute nuts. We have three outs to, I would say, the very likely nuts. So we have like somewhere between six and seven outs. I think it's somewhat likely at this point that one of these players has a diamond draw. And for sure, like we're not going to be able to get value when we hit our straight and the diamond comes in. So we have somewhere between six and seven outs with six cards where we can really get value. So right now, you're calling 180 into what will be a pot of... Like 850? Yeah. We don't have the direct odds to call, almost certainly. So we need to be, I guess, fairly certain that... I also don't think that we have any bluffing opportunities, really. What do you think? My best guess at this point was a small blind was chasing diamonds, and the Chris had uh, a 10 or better. So I think that... A plan to rep diamonds if they come in is probably not a good one. Mm-hmm. So you're basically just going to be able to, and it looks like a brick on the, on the river if you do get there. So I think it's, you hope you get there and you hope you face a bet from the aggressor and then you get it in was, was sort of the, the only plan I had in that spot. Yeah. I think that the, on the eight were somewhat incentivized to lead. I think both players have 10-8 in their range, and it starts getting a little bit dicey for Chris to continue betting one pair of hands. Um, so I do think it's possible that you guys are slow playing. But I don't know. It's reasonable for him to go for value again on an 8. I think on a 3, that's a pretty comfortable card for Chris to continue going for value. So going for a check raise makes sense. I also yeah. think it's... I do think it's possible that Chris is bluffing here. He has a pretty big advantage on this board. Especially if he assumes that sets are raising on the flop and is right. You know, I think there's a chance that either of you guys could be slow playing a set, but if that's the less true that is, the more I think Chris 
has incentive to just bet three streets. So I think that the opportunity to like induce a third barrel from Chris, I think there's a pretty good chance of that happening. And so I definitely think you should be calling here. I think your implied odds are enough. It's not like a super high EV spot, but I think definitely folding would be a mistake. So I like calling. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I felt like this was um, less interesting than the, the first two streets, and this was uh, the most clear decision, besides maybe the river. And the, the river is the is the the king of diamonds, and it just uh, it just it just checks through. I, I I didn't feel, you know, even I mean, when the small blind checks there, I you I think there's an argument for moving in to rep that card, because I I think the small blind's a kind of guy that just if he gets there with it. He would lead. Rips it in. Yeah, he would lead. And then I would just have to hope that Chris didn't have the diamonds. So, uh, but it, it just checked through. What do you think of that? I think it's reasonable. It's reasonable to shove here. I think having a diamond in your hand is nice. You know, I don't think it's impossible for you to have, you know, a diamond, a diamond here. I think you could easily have a hand like, you know, defending the big line with a hand like six five offsuit with the six of diamonds or the five of diamonds. Having a hand like ace of diamonds five or something like that. Mm-hmm. Even having a hand like ace of diamonds ten is interesting here. Since I think that's a hand that rates to be good occasionally. But when small blind checks, it might just function better as a bluff if it can pretty reliably get over pairs to fold. Anyways, you know, we're, we're sort of establishing here that it's not trivial to have. I guess, I guess the types of hands I would think, um, hmm. So definitely 6-5 is obviously like the worst hand you can show up with here. When you check, you're giving up. Yeah. Yep. You don't need, like, there's nothing about this situation that suggests that you have to bluff this card to justify anything you've done. It's just a question of, is bluffing here higher than EV than checking? I think a lot of our, A type of hand that I think is pretty useful to have in this spot is a hand that contains the ten of diamonds. Because I think Mm -hmm. that you're gonna, you're gonna show up in this spot sometimes with hands like king ten with the ten of diamonds. Mm -hmm. And blocking ten x of diamonds is pretty nice, like against the small blind, against Chris, who, I mean, especially the small blind, like any ten x of diamonds they have is probably gonna get to this spot. So blocking those is Useful. Obviously, King-10 is now two-pair, so bluffing with that is probably not a great idea. Yeah, it's it's tricky. But I think that the observation that small blind is often going to be leading flushes, you know, if you're very confident that small blind is that kind of player, then it makes shoving in this spot, you know, a lot, a much better option. And I think that since it's kind of hard for you to have... Um, that many natural buffs in this spot, I think using 6-5 suited would be really reasonable. So I think it's hard to go wrong here. Um, I think probably bluffing would be slightly higher EV, but I think that your your line ending with a check is also very reasonable. And part of it is just going to depend on your sort of dynamic with Young Man Coffee. If he thinks that you're the type to lead bluff here and, and him calling you with hands like Ace-King with the Ace of Diamonds, Aces with the Ace of Diamonds queens with the queen of diamonds if, if all those are a lot more likely then shoving becomes more difficult well 
I, I don't think he calls me with those hands. <laughs> well, if you don't um, think he calls you with those it, hands, then yeah. I think clearly you should be shoving. Yeah. I would be a little surprised um, if Chris folded a hand like aces with the ace of diamonds to you in this spot, or ace okay. with the ace of diamonds. I would just think that that would be... Like, he has so many hands that can bet twice, and of those hands, only a few, yeah. you know, remove sort of your top-end value. And so if he's going to be folding everything, then... I mean, it's just pretty, it's pretty exploitable. I'm not saying that he wouldn't do that if he felt like you were never bluffing, but obviously you could be bluffing. Like you're, you're considering bluffing right now. But yeah, if you think he's going to fold those hands, then I think clearly shoving his best. Okay. Well, all right. Do you want the result? <laughs> <laughs> so I did not win, <laughs> but the, uh, Chris turns it over, uh, ace 10. I do not remember if he, uh, had the diamond or not. And, uh, that's no good. Small blind had, uh, jacks. So that was a little surprising, but again, not really. I mean, you're just saying I would never have jacks there, but I mean, this guy, uh, yeah, it's not that surprising to see. Yeah, it's not really. So yeah. So Chris, you know, frustratingly turns his hand over just like, Oh geez, everything got there. And, uh, and, uh, no, he was never good (laughs) in that hand. So. Uh, and and in looking back, I, I I don't think jacks are ever going to fold. So <laughs> I don't know what else we could have, or except for the river, maybe the jacks jacks fold there. But that would have been the only spot maybe to win that hand. Yeah, I think the river is pretty interesting since you're sort of it, it depends in part obviously on what your preflop range looks like. The more offsuit combinations you have, the more I would lean to hands that contain a diamond to bluff the river. And I think that it also depends on your term calling range. Like the more you have hands like Jack 10 with the 10 of diamonds, the more I think those actually function really nicely as a bluff. But if you're, if you don't have those, and I think like folding a hand like Jack 10 with the 10 of diamonds on the turn would be a very reasonable play, even though you're getting very good odds. And so I think potentially you've arrived with maybe one of your best, your best bluffs, and yeah, given how how tightly you think that Chris is going to respond, I think shoving is best. I think a takeaway from the flop is that it's important to be able to rep a good amount of value. Um, I, the more value we can rep, the better our bluffs are going to be, or the more effective they're going to be. And also, the the more hands that sort of never fold, that we unblock, the worse our bluff's going to be. And so I think your decision not to bluff raise and sort of take your equity and wait to capitalize on later streets was very wise. And yeah, I think the turn is sort of the same story where we really can't rep very much value and are just better off trying to realize our equity and looking to get a little bit extra on the end to sort of justify our call. That being said, I think it's easy to get into that mindset of, you know, I'm just looking for implied odds and then miss what's probably a good bluff spot. And so I think this hand um, in totality was very instructive on how to approach these multi-way situations, Mm -hmm. uh, how to take advantage of players like the small blind who are very likely to lead their flushes. You know, the fact that they're leading means that when they check, our bluffs become a lot more effective. So, yeah, Brad, I I really appreciate you sharing this hand. I think there's a lot of useful things in this spot. And I'm disappointed that neither you nor Young Man Coffee was able to take it down, but <laughs> it's okay. 
yeah yeah he's a great guy so uh, uh it's too bad he's not around but uh i'd, I'd love to hear his his feedback also on uh on, on what if he was thinking if he remembers it yeah it looks like i mean to me i don't think he had much of a decision in this hand i think it, it kind of plays itself from his perspective yeah if he had the ace of diamonds yeah. He can consider bluffing to chop lock and get hands exactly like Jack Jack to fold, but I think that's even that is a little bit narrow of a a bluffing or bluff targets. So yeah, I, I like it from his perspective. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Brad.